What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the NBA show brought to you by 265 Media. I'm your host, Will Lions of the Lions Den. We got a pretty outstanding panel, you know, uh, with me today, looking to bring you some dope content. Um, I have Zach Ramey of the Off the Glass podcast and Wayne Cole um, of the Sports Counselor podcast, my 265 brethren. What's going on, everybody? What's up, everybody? Everybody, I'm good. I'm excited, man. We got some great topics to cover tonight, man. So I'm glad that you fellas, I was able to join you fellas and we can talk some hoops like we do. Sir, and to answer your question, well, if y'all good, I'm good, man. It's always a blessing to talk hoop, be around good vibes, man. Appreciate y'all. Yes, so, sir. Let's get into it. All right, fellas. So, you know, uh, we got a, a decent agenda. So we're going to start off with the regular season awards. Um, you know, we don't have a vote, but who do you think, you know, is deserving of the award? You know, and if you want to give a little feedback as to why, you know, we, we love the, the facts around here. So we're going to start off with a uh, coach of the year, you know, um, you know, front runners that I'm I'm looking at, you know, Monty Williams, Phoenix being a two seed in the West. Um, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. Quinn Snyder um, and then, you know, Tibbs, you know, so. That's the three that came to mind for me, you know, but I want to hear, you know, I'm going to start with you, Zach. What are you thinking? I'm going to go ahead and go with Quinn Snyder, you know, with the Utah Jazz. Right now, first in the West, 49-18, a first in net rating, the third in defensive rating, the third in offensive rating, surprisingly, because they're not seen as a superstar-laden team. I mean, they do have a couple all-stars, all-NBA defensive player of the year, multi-timing. Rudy Gobert, we know about Donovan Mitchell. We know about the steadiness of Mike Conley. But Quinn Snyder, for me, I want to give him his flowers on the Jordan Clarkson, who has been well-traveled in the league since leaving L.A., you know, stints in Cleveland, kind of known as a guy that just shoots the ball, kind of a black hole, the ultimate green light. And Quinn Snyder knew that they needed his offense, right? Utah always needed that third scoring option and he's been that and morphing them especially now since Donovan Mitchell's been sidelined with the ankle injury so I just want to give him some props as a coach because you know sometimes with certain players it just depends on the system and the coach and letting that that player kind of be who they are let them rock you know we might get some mistakes but overall if I instill confidence in him you know he's going to ultimately make the right play and I've seen him where he didn't necessarily would have made a certain play in the past. He probably would have just chucked up a shot, but now he's kind of moving the ball a little bit better, picking his spots. And I, and I think that's a credit to Quinn Snyder and his coaching staff. And let's be honest, nobody thought Utah would be the number one seed in the West. We know they'd be a solid team. They always are. We know they're going to make the playoffs, but nobody thought they was going to be the number one seed with the number one net rating, which is huge, man. So for me, I'm going to give Quinn Snyder some love. And I definitely think, you know, you spot on with that, Zach, um, especially the Jordan Clarkson piece. Um, I think it it's a different ball game. You know, we've all played some level, even if it's just, you know, pick up for some of us. And you play, you know, with a sense of relief when you're not looking over your shoulder, every little mistake that you make. And um, Wayne and I were talking about it one day, you know, and I don't I'm not going to say that Clarkson hasn't improved because I think that he has. But I do believe that, you know, it's just the fact that he's empowered, you know, um, things that he's doing, Utah needs him to do where other teams is like, well, 
you know, we didn't need that shot or that's not your role here. Wayne, coach of the year, who you thinking? Yeah, I love, I want to say I love Zach's breakdown of the game with the net rating, how he kind of brings it all together. And I agree with the Utah pick, but I definitely want to, as we say, we like to give flowers. Just some uh, consideration for tips. And, and with Randall, you know, he kind of put the, I don't want to say put the team on his back, but he took the road less traveled. He didn't take the sexy pick. He went to a, a franchise that was just looking for something. And the, the Knicks were projected to finish, you know, very low and to see where they're at now, the culture they're building, the buy-in, um, the rejuvenation of the franchise. And, you know, Tibbs, again, just willing that team to a fourth spot behind the 76ers bucks and that's who we thought would be there. We didn't think the Knicks would be there. So um, although I agree with Zach's pick, I hope we see uh, Tibbs get some consideration and some votes for what he's been able to do. No, that's a great point, Wayne. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, it's just, I just wanted to say it's kind of the same thing, right, as far as culture, because we knew Julius Randle was good and kind of what, you know, Will was just saying with Clarkson. It's not that Randle got much better, mm-hmm. but the culture and the fit and the, the coaching staff and just allowing him to be put in, a, in that position. That's why, again, when we we look at certain – social media platforms. I'm always careful as I get older now how we criticize certain players because sometimes like fit and culture matters. Like people don't seem to understand that. And I think these are two great examples. And even Monty Williams in Phoenix, they were playing well ending the season last year. Yeah. And you add a veteran like Chris Paul who comes in. So, I mean, as, as up and down as this season is, I think we had a lot of worthy candidates for a lot of different awards, you know, and I think that shows how the basketball still was a lot better than we probably think. So I just wanted to echo that point too, Wayne. That was another example of a coach kind of just putting their their players in the right position as well. I definitely agree. And Zach, I got a question for you, man, based on something you were saying, man. Um, you know, could you argue that fit is almost more important than, you know, just being flat out talented, you know, in this game? I think it is. I think for the all-time greats, maybe not so much, but I think even for the all-time greats, you might get great performances, but you might not get that next, next level. Like, who knows how Tim Duncan goes if he flips roles with KG? What if Jordan doesn't get a Phil Jackson? You know, all that kind of stuff matters, and I can even speak to personal experience. It might have been a pro-am, high-level summer league, but probably one of the best, if you want to say seasons, was when I had a, a guy, he runs a, a female, a girls, well, he runs girls and boys, but on the on the girls side, he has one of the elite uh, AAU programs in the country called Example Sports. They're on the Under Armour circuit. And um, uh, shouts out to Barry Bradford, man. And he instilled in me that summer the confidence, man. It was just some of the best basketball I played, you know, and it's just, it, I really believe it matters. For the really talented superstar type players, like high level, not as much, but I will argue for everybody else. And the majority of the league is role players. When we really look at it, I, I, I say that all the time, man. I really believe that stuff matters. 100% agree. Wayne, man, uh, you, you got any thoughts on that? No, I, 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 I told you, it's hard, it's hard to follow Zach, man. Zach, <laughs> Zach said it well, man. <laughs> no, but Wayne, you said all the time, you know, on the, on the mental health piece, the sports counselor, right, how mm-hmm. – important environment is like culture like 
that stuff matters. So I don't know why people think that doesn't translate to sport. Yeah, that that that's true. Um, I think we learned it from Kobe. You know, the the mental piece is everything. You know, when you go when you're between those lines, is if you make a bad shot, do you do do a link in your head or do you forget it? When you make mm-hmm. a bad play, are you looking over your shoulder like you kind of alluded to earlier? Or if if it's crunch time, are you cowering on the moment or are you you know rising to the moment? So uh, definitely. Uh, a lot of the fans and supporters, they only see what's in the box score, but they don't see what's out of the box score, the little things, the intangibles, the 50-50 balls. They're picking your teammate, uh, you know, putting his arm right, like, all right, come on, let's get it up going. So it's a lot of things, but the mental side in basketball is key. Again, like coming up to a free throw line, game on the line. You practice shot, you know, you can hit it. Crowd yelling is different from a bubble aspect where um, some people thrive in a in an environment, as we saw, like a lot of the Suns, but still translating. Mm-hmm. And some people, when you know, when the fans heckling you and the bright lights, you know, that can get to you too. So um, great to, for Zach to mention, although basketball is skill, is definitely a, a mental side of it as well. Definitely, 100%. So we're going to uh, move on to the next um, award category, most improved. So I'm going to throw it to y'all. I got a few names in mind, but I want to see, you know, where, where you guys are at with it. Wayne, I'm going to start with you. It's so hard because it's, it's a everybody I feel like improves in the NBA. Um, but to me, man, um, I'm going to go, might not be the, I guess, sexiest pick, but Mr. Grant out of Detroit. Um, love what he's been able to do. Uh, he kind of bet on himself. And, and I think that's why I like, I like that pick. Uh, the numbers he was putting up. And again, I like Julius Randle. Didn't do the sexiest pick, bet on himself. So I can see how the game from Denver translated to him over to Detroit, taking a more important role. And as you see, um, I would go with him. Now, I wanna I wanna highlight, man, something based on what you said. You know, 265, man, we're not worried about, you know, the the popular thing or, or <laughs> and you actually named um the top, you know, two of the the players on my list with Jeremy Grant. And Randall, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant going from a complimentary role to being the guy, you know, seeing a statistical leap in every category. Um, and surprisingly, his efficiency wasn't bad either, you know, going to being a guy that's getting like 20 shots a game. Um, you know, Randall, he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, an all-star before, but now we're looking at not fringe all-star, you know, we're looking at all NBA caliber, you know what I mean? And the um, thing that sticks out with him the most to me is his playmaking just under six assists a game. You know, we know he can score. We know he can rebound. You know, he's done that his whole career, but going from a guy that was known and made fun of for just having a spin move to um, being a legitimate threat and playmaker, you know, and seeing the game um, that really um, speaks volumes to his improvement. Yeah. Um, and, and I haven't cut you off. It's back to both of y'all point is, watching the game from a different lens. So, oh, Detroit's not playing good basketball in the bottom seat. But you can tell the young man has improved his game tremendously, leaps and bounds. And that's what we were saying. It's a culture thing. You know, sometimes people, they, they, they want to do the most popular thing. And I think the most popular thing is sometimes betting on yourself. And, and he got, he got some pushback because people was like, why would he want to leave Denver? They offered him the same amount of money. He was like, no, nah, like, I want a bigger role. Like, mm-hmm. and, there's nothing wrong with that. And a couple other people, 
I wanted to highlight because I just pulled it up to look at their stats. Like Christian Wood for Houston, we know he got hurt. Real you good. go from 12 points for your career to 21 and nine, you know, he was 12 and six. Uh, another person that I thought it was interesting, I thought when he was playing early on, I thought they were auditioning him to probably move him and trade him. And that's no other than Terry Rozier. I mean, he's played well for Charlotte. And I think it's interesting that Charlotte under Coach Borrega, back-to-back potential, most improved players. You know, Devontae Graham was a, a candidate last year. And Terry Rozier is averaging 20 points a game, shooting 45% from the, from the field, about almost 40 from threes at 39. So, but I think ultimately when you look at the record and just everything that wasn't expected, I think, I'm gonna go with Julian Julius Randle as well. Um, uh, with me, with I like to factor in record when people's stats are similar. I like to kind of get at the tiebreaker a little bit some of the time. So I think we all hit the nail on the head as far as worthy candidates. But um, I think I'm gonna go with Julius Randle for uh, most improved. Exactly. Like That's why I was fumbling so much. I was like, is it Julius or is it? Um... I said, I got to give some love to Jeremiah because that's what he did was phenomenal. No, nah, no, nah, you, you, same you, right. your boy yep. uh, Randall as well. You can't go wrong with either one, but you, know, you can't. And um, I got two more names. Do I think they will win the award? No, but I, you know, I like to uh mention people that I feel should be you know in the conversation. Um, and I think uh, one because he was just good from day one, I don't think people are looking at it like it, but Zion, I mean, he's up to 27 a game. Mm-hmm. on ridiculous efficiency 61 percent, you know from the floor um from a guy that it was a lot of questions you know from uh the casuals and even the media can he do mm-hmm. it against the grown men and you know he's out there playing bully ball at the highest level and there's nothing yep. they can do about it um and he's improved as a playmaker as well um and then the other player um okc um you know sga man um you know Last year, he showed increased uh, scoring ability, you know, um, but Chris Paul was running the show, you know what I mean? So um, people could argue when you have a floor general of that caliber that, you know, he makes it easier for you. But, you know, now with him having the keys to the offense, not only did he improve his scoring some up to just under 24 a game, rebounding's up, um, he's also averaging just under six assists a game. Um, You know, so seeing that leap, I think uh, the future is definitely bright. And I think that, you know, Shea um, has shown himself in a light um, where he actually is on par with some of the other um, high caliber elite young guards that he's not often mentioned with. That's another good one, Shea. Uh, no, that's a that's Shea. a great one. I mean, he was playing so well, they had to sit him down because it's like, no, nah, we, we we trying to tank. Like, what are, what are we doing? You know, so... <laughs> Uh, no, that's a really good one. Really good one. That's real talk, Zach. They like, man, we we about to lose our chance at Mobile <laughs> Arcade, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, so they was like, nah, we because they were squeezing out wins that nobody's expecting them to win. And you know, I'm a, a fan of his because I, I think he's on par with any young point guard in the game, and it's not as always flashy, so it doesn't get talked about. And you know, I had the podcast early saying who would you, you know, basically Ja. Trey and Shea, you know, I feel like those are the kind of the guys that we need to be looking to going forward. So, no, I, I think that's good stuff right there. And real quick before we move on, I just want to go on the record. I think that, uh, you know, OKC pulled a great move with that, you know, their coaching hire. And I think mm-hmm. that their player development is outstanding because um, 
they don't have the the stats right now, but from what I've seen watching them play, I wouldn't be surprised if we're having this conversation again next season about Darius Baisley and uh, Dork. You know, both of those guys yeah. are yeah. excelling. No, that's a great point. Uh, Baisley has really, really picked it up. So, yeah, that's a great point. I agree. So, next one, um, you know, I think we all probably thinking of the same guy with this award, but rookie of the year. Um, you know, some names that uh, have been floated around, the mellow ball, obviously, uh, and Edwards, the number one pick, Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento, and a sleeper, but I think somebody that is in the conversation um, for his play that surprised everyone, and that's Emmanuel Quickly. So, um, Zach, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you go ahead, even though, you know, Wayne is probably like, man, why are you doing that to me? <laughs> I mean, for me, it was LaMelo Ball. Um, I'm not a, a math whiz, so I would have to do the conversion to see uh, for 82-game season versus, what's this season, 76, 72? Yeah, 72. Me too. Yeah, 10 less games will be the conversion because nobody's won rookie of the year with less than 50 games. Like you had to play, they played at least 50. That's the lowest. And I believe that was the year, I get it confused when I did that podcast. It was either Kyrie Irving or Patrick Ewing, but those were the least amount of games. So if we're not saying least amount of games, I mean, I just talked about on my last podcast, it's LaMelo Ball. The stats were there. Uh, Anthony kind of came out the gate a little bit slower. And then like, again, dropping that, advanced stat on you like the net rating rookies always usually have a negative he had the lowest he was negative 2.5 out of those three guys because i did uh halliburton and Edwards. Edwards was like negative 7.1 when he's on the court there's negative 7.1 points so it just shows you that Melo was bringing a dimension to charlotte right out the gate he was heavily criticized i will always argue it's because people don't like his dad and it was just amazing on draft night how people were talking about his shot and I'm like this dude is 19 like what are we talking about right now and he's come out and shot right at league average from three and from the field and then the passing has been incredible um I can't wait to talk about him on my next podcast I got some cooking up man because he he's been he's been phenomenal and shout out to Anthony Edwards number one pick he's been great too and more than likely he might get it because of the games but for me I, I got to give it to LaMelo Ball I don't think this was that hard to be honest with you Wayne, what's your thoughts on it? It's always great breakdown from Zach. Uh, for me, I'm I'm gonna go Lamelo Ball as well. You know, Ant Edwards just came on very strong, number one pick, and he has a bright future. Uh, quickly again, playing great ball. Uh, guess my dog agrees. I gotta go Melo again because what he was able to do uh, as a point guard rookie, a lot of you know he had to shoulder a lot of the burden, and he rise to the occasion. I think. Leading to the All-Star break, he was almost every leading every statistical category uh, for rookies or the major. Except for points. Yeah, for the major one. But not yep. points, but yep. that just goes to show that he he shouldered a heavy burden. Team is is in the playoffs, uh, so I got to go uh, LaMelo. Yeah, I agree, man. I think LaMelo is definitely the pick. I mean, he's had an impact that we don't often see, you know, um, from rookies and, you know, and I feel like, um, uh, being a floor general, man, you know, especially at the highest level, it is an adjustment period, but LaMelo looked like he belonged there, you know, um, the scoring, it came along over time, 
but that playmaking, you know, that's what separates him. And, um, you know, he just energizes the guys around him. He brought like a certain life to that franchise. I mean, when's the last time, you know, no disrespect to Kimba, you know, he's a great player in his own right, but when's the last time, you know, people were looking forward to getting league pass subscriptions to watch the Hornets, you know, and he got Miles Bridges, um, PJ Washington, and even uh, Biombo, you know, all those guys, um, you know, looking re-energized, you know what I mean? And looking like, uh, you know, looked at in a light that maybe the casual fan maybe didn't see him in before. Um, so I definitely think it's LaMelo. You know, the other guys definitely have had good um, seasons. I definitely want to uh, speak to Halliburton real quick uh, just because I'll be honest, I didn't, I thought he would be a decent player, but I didn't think he would be so great, you know, so fast, you know, um, I believe, like we talked about that fit, um, you know, perfect fit next to De'Aaron Fox. You got a dynamic, you know, point guard, you know, so you bring in a guy that is very fundamentally sound with a few holes to his game that can just, you know, get you a bucket or um, create, you know, secondary playmaker. Um, and I think, you know, even uh, he's even shown some some chops, you know, in the clutch and which you don't often see from rookies. Um, and we've seen a little bit of that from uh, quickly as well. Um, we're going to move on to defensive player of the year. And uh, I'm real interested on this one. You know, um, I feel like, you know, Gobert always is in the category. You know, um, I personally think uh, Bam, you know, is worthy of some consideration um, as well as uh, Ben Simmons. And then there's another player I don't think he necessarily, you know, will get real defensive player of the year consideration, but I think it's in his future. And that's uh, another sixer in Matisse Thibault. So, um, Wayne, I'm going to go to you, let you head it off, man. And then we're going to roll over to Zach. Yeah. Um, for me, I know people get voters fatigue, but I was really looking at it closely because I was like, does Ben, Ben definitely has a case. But for me, I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert and, I got it open right here. He leads in total blocks. He's at 182. I believe, yeah, he's second in blocks per game behind Miles Turner at 2.8. If we start looking at some of the advanced stats as we as I scroll my way down, he's number one in defensive win shares, 4.8. So that means his defense is responsible for almost five wins uh, for his team. To your point, as I look at it, Matisse Thibel, he's number one in defensive box plus minus at 4.2. Uh, Rudy Gobert is six. And then I look at these, Ben Simmons is underneath Rudy in all of these. And then if we want to be complete and be thorough, they, uh, you know, I'm going to give you the stats. But if we look at his net rating, he has the highest net rating, I believe, in the league this year. He's at plus 16. So net rating is not just offense. Like, that's defense and offense. That's what, when you're on the court, what is your value to the team? And he's plus 16 when they when he plays. And we know he's been an anchor for Utah. I felt like last year it should have went to Anthony Davis and Giannis got it. You know, if you look at the stats, Giannis is right there and a lot of them again. But for me, I don't have, like giving people – chances at the award if the guy who's been one of the best is still putting up that type of production so for me i'm gonna go with rudy gobert i definitely um i have to agree with you zach and um i feel like you know 
with the way last season, the pause on the season went, um, a lot of people turned on them, you know, and, and they can't look beyond the bias. Um, but when you, when you break down the numbers, being responsible for five wins, and when you look at uh, the standings, I mean, that's the difference in the West between like first and possibly being, you know, um, in, you know, in the bottom, of, you know, mid to bottom of the pack. So, um, you know, you got to definitely acknowledge that. Wayne, what you thinking, man? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm going uh, Rudy Gobert as, again, the breakdown by Zach. Look what they understand. Although I've seen a lot of people say Ben Simmons, um, you got to go with what, you know, the player brings. Forgetting what had happened in the past with the pandemic. I know we, we hold that against him. Allah, as Zach alluded to, some people hold uh, LaMelo's father kind of against him as well. Got to say what the stats say. I love that Bam out of bio. Uh, by you as well. I think Bam, he deserves to be in that conversation. What he does on a night and night in basis for that Miami Heat team uh, that prides themselves on that, that side of the ball. But I would go with Rudy Gobert uh, for my pick. Definitely. And what you said about Bam is definitely true. And I think, you know, he could have this, you know, in his future. But, you know, we, we can't look past um, the excellence that Gobert has continued, you know, on that side of the ball. So this one, um, I feel like this is going to be a pretty quick category. Six man of the year. I already, uh, you know, Zach already mentioned my pick, um, Jordan Clarkson. Me too. <laughs> He's just been phenomenal, you know what I mean, um, in that role. You know, the same way we've looked at uh, guys that have won it, you know, numerous times in the past. You know, your Lou Williams, you know, your uh, Jamal Crawfords. He, he, at times, you know, at times Utah leans on him, you know, down the stretch even, you know, and um, that's not a typical thing, you know, from, uh, you know, a guy that's a role player, but he's, he's even, uh, you know, seen an uptick. I feel like in his efficiency because of, um, like you said, you know, um, that trust from his coach and buying in, you know, making, not taking, uh, you know, the, the unnecessarily tough shot, you know, maybe moving the ball and going back to get it, you know, um, and Utah actually even, you know, had him moving off of the ball some instead of just standing at the top trying to force a play. Um, so definitely uh, I think we can agree on that one. Zach, I mean, Wayne, do you have any sweep, I think. Yeah, yep. I don't – that's – and, you know, I'm just looking at some of the rosters just to make sure. Um, I mean, if you want to get somebody some love from Phoenix, he might not have the numbers, but Cameron Johnson has been good for them. Um, I think early on, before he got traded, Karis LeVert was kind of the – the sexy pick, even though I was looking at what Jordan Clarkson was doing. So, yeah, I don't think it's anything to really dissect like that this year. I think it's Jordan Clarkson's award this season. Zach, you actually brought up uh, Phoenix and um, another Cameron comes to mind. Before we do move on, I want to give some uh, love to Cameron Payne, who's seen yeah. a career resurgence. You know, a guy that was looked at like, you know, is he even an NBA player? And he's a, a true contributor, you know, to a team. That's poised, you know, for a nice little playoff run. No, and I'm looking at his stats. You know, he's 46% from the field, 41 from three, seven and a half points. So that means he's getting you that with just under 17. No, I'm excuse me, just under 18 minutes a game. So shout out to him, man, you know, getting that shot. And again, Monty Williams, culture, James Jones down there. You know, all that kind of stuff matters, man. It matters. So shots out to Cameron Payne because now he's seen as what a serious basketball player, just not the guy that used to dance with, with Russell Westbrook. You know, now he's somebody that 
we respected the talent coming out when he was one of the top, you know, scorers in the nation coming out of college. So, yeah, that's a great one right there. I like that. Yes, sir. The next award, we could say the most important award, MVP. I think that um, this is the interesting season, man. You know, um, some guys that come to mind for me, um, I feel like Julius Randle deserves consideration. Um, CP3, um, you know, floor general extension of the coach on the floor. Um, and, you know, Phoenix from not making a playoff to the number two seed in the West. That's a heck of a turnaround. Giannis, um, Zach, I've yeah. seen, you know, you talk about him a lot. And that's another guy you talk about voter fatigue and, uh, you know, bias. Um, I think, you know, with the way their playoffs ended last year, a lot of people, you know, turned on him. Um, but you could argue he's having a better season than when he's won the award in the past. Only, and again, I just, <laughs> I'm a, when I'm going, I, it's, it's Jokic, right? But I, I just want you guys to kind of, Listen to this, right? Because I'm going to pull up again the key stats, right? So Jokic, everybody criticizes PER. But like I always say, if your top 10 in PER is Jokic and B, Giannis, Zion, Jimmy, Kawhi, Steph, Luka, Dame, James Harden, I think we can all agree, like, those are your probably your best players in the league, right? Like So, like, I think there's some some credence to that award. We don't see anybody random in the top 10. So Jokic is number one in PER. Giannis is number three. So let's, you know, let, let's let's knock it off. In win shares, so Jokic is number one in overall win shares. He's 14.7. So some of these other major uh, media markets, I don't know what they're talking about. Guess who's three? Giannis, again, offensive win shares. Jokic's offense is responsible for 11 extra points above the league average. That's what that means. Guess who's fourth? Giannis. Uh, if we look at win shares per 48, guess who's number one again? Jokic, followed by Embiid. Giannis is five. He fell back a little bit. If we look at box plus minus, guess who's number one? Jokic again, 11.8. Guess who's second? Giannis, 8.9. If we look at offensive box plus minus, Giannis kind of fell back this year. Guess who's number one? Jokic. Giannis is six. Steph is eight. So, again, if we look at the last one, value over replacement, Jokic is one at 8.1. Giannis is 5.2. He's third. So, again, unless we're going to change what the criteria is for this award, I don't want to hear anything about playoffs lack of championships, Western Eastern Conference Finals. It is a regular season award. When it comes to LeBron, yeah, he's played well, but I always say it's not a lifetime achievement award because if we was looking at the numbers that Jokic is this year putting up, including Giannis, Giannis last year, James Harden in the past, Embiid this year, and we flipped it, and that was LeBron James at that age, we would not be arguing that somebody that's like almost 37, 38, who smartly always says doesn't play hard the whole game. Why? Because he's pacing himself. It only makes sense. You can't ignore what the other guys are doing just because we feel like LeBron might be the best player in the league because of what the other things he brings. At the end of the day, it's a regular season award. They always have the records. They have the stats. And lastly, to add perspective, is not an excuse. Giannis and them got the worst matchup they could get in Miami. Miami caught lightning in the bottle in the bubble. And I keep pointing this out because it matters. 
Bledsoe, we can laugh and joke about his game, but he was a main piece to their roster last year. Coddington, he hasn't been the same since he had COVID coming into the bubble. They both had it, missed time in the bubble. Giannis sprains his ankle. A season prior, they were uh, went to the seventh games against Philly, a, a dog-it-out type series. And I said, to be honest with you, that season, Giannis was like two years ahead of schedule. I said it on record of what we think he could ultimately be. That's how good he is. So now it's kind of catching up. And I just feel like at the end of the day, man, these narratives and how we want to paint things to fit who we want to be the best player of the agenda instead of just looking at what the performances are, man. I'm getting to the point where I'm going to keep echoing it because I feel like we're reaching a dangerous point where we're almost rewriting history, if that makes sense. And again, to me, it's been Jokic. Even if MB wasn't hurt, I know MB was the sexy pick, but I just showed you, Jokic is dominating all the advanced stats, like all of them. He's dominating. If you go look, I mean, he has like four points over a lot of them. So, you know, I don't, I didn't want to ramble too long, but I just wanted to kind of point that out because I really be studying and looking at this. And I don't think people realize how incredible Nikola Jokic's season has been this season. And this, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but to say this will be one of the worst MVPs in 35 years is insulting, is disrespectful, and it doesn't do the craft and the game any justice. And I'm at the point now, I'm tired of this one style of media coverage, man. So that's why, again, salute to my brothers over at 265 Media with the content, man, because we got to start bringing back some of this balance. Yes, sir, Zach. And I know exactly who you're talking about. We don't got to say the name. Yeah, it was, it was absurd this week. It was crazy. We're going to keep, you know, priding ourselves and working with integrity and respecting the game and the players, you know. Um, so I'm going to move my on. My apologies. I know I, I, I just, man, I just. <laughs> nah, Zach, listen, man, you, you part of home, man. You, you had all the numbers that, that I had in the tuck, man. Like, I didn't even have to pull it up. So uh, the next topic. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in your perspective, um, you know, the playing, is it good or bad, you know, from a player perspective and from a fan perspective? Go ahead, Wayne, I'll let you rock. I, I would, as they say, you gotta win, just win. But um, it's good if, you know, the for the NBA, I guess for a fan like me of my team, we needed this. So I'm kind of enjoying that we have a play-in, but for the people that hate it, just just win, you know, Winning, and you and you win. You know. Now, for the for record, the let the listeners know who your who your team is. Oh, I'm a Washington Wizards fan, man. <laughs> I'm shy from it. I say that proudly, but it's giving me another resurgence to enjoy the game. Sorry if I can hit a dog barking, but um, I hear a lot of people bashing it. It's more basketball, but just win. If you win, you win. You don't have to worry about it. And uh, we had decimated with injuries and COVID, and I think we would have been in those top six if we were full fully healthy. You see, uh, what Westbrook is doing. But I wouldn't want to bet against the Wizards right now, uh, the way we're playing. So thank God for this playing game because I would have been, you know, sitting home a little sad watching everybody else. But now I have another reason to be energized, at least to see some more playoff meaningful basketball. And Zach, before you go, um, I think what you said is important, you know, Wayne, the, the context. Now, I don't necessarily think it's something that, you know, is the best thing, um, you know, long-term, like if they decide to keep it every year. But I think in this COVID, you know, stricken season, it's incredibly um, important that they had this, you know. Um, so many teams have have had players miss, 
you know, weeks at a time, you know, um, from COVID. And that's not even factoring in the injuries, you know. So I think it's, it's very important. Um, go ahead, Zach. And then we're going to uh, jump into still talking about the play-in, but who do we think the most dangerous teams are in the play-in? No, I think, again, I always like to bring perspective. Is it ideal as a player? No. you. It's a lot of games, a lot of wear and tear. But at the end of the day, this is a business. They lost a lot of money last year, so they need to play in game to generate revenue. All the players who were against it, I get it. But think about some of the players that spoke financially in a lot better shape than their comrades. So just understand that as well. You know, so at the end of the day, if they were that against it, then just, I know it sounds crazy to say, then like come to some conclusion where we might not play and then give up some of that salary and some of that money. But at the end of the day, we don't know nobody's going to do that. So it's capitalism. It must go on. I think from a product, it was entertaining. It was exciting uh, to see. I think again, and we're getting ready to get into it, the East and the West, but the East is really interesting, really interesting to see who's going to come out of there and get those, that seventh and that eighth seed, man. So from a fan perspective, I think it's dope. I think it's great. From a business standpoint, they definitely need it. Uh, from a player standpoint, maybe not so much. Definitely agree. Um, but with the points both of you made, you know, from from as a fan, um, I'm always down, you know, to watch more basketball, you know, as simple as that. But um, as a player, I, I don't know that I, you know, unless I'm on a team that's looking, you know, on the outside looking in, I don't know that I want to be a part of the plan. All right, so I'm going to give you all the rundown. You know, in the East, we have the Wizards, the Pacers, the Celtics, and the Hornets in the play-in. And in the West, we have the Lakers, the Warriors, the Grizz, and the Spurs. Wayne, you first. Uh, most dangerous playing team, one from the East, one from the West. Because the Hornets and Celtics have to win one game, of, you know, that's a, a obvious pick. And not, I'm not picking being a homer here, but again, the resurgence of Westbrook and Bill, uh, Roy coming back, we playing more inspired ball, Bertans finding his shot. And the way Westbrook is molded and wired, I can see him willing uh, two games to get us in. You know, I, I just see it. From the West, as it stands right now, I would go with the Lakers. If the season ends today, they would have to, you know, play in. And I can never bet against a LeBron James-led team. They are the defending champions. And this would kind of add to the greatness if he can become one of the first teams to hop out and solidify a play-in spot to get in and come from the bottom and, you know, maybe compete for a championship. So those are my two picks, the defending champions and, you know, my Russell Westbrook-led, triple-double, fiery guy, uh, Washington Wizards. I actually agree. Um, you know, Washington is dangerous. Um, just, you know, for the sake, you know, of the conversation, I think that uh, Boston is incredibly dangerous as well. You know, having uh, two dynamic young players, you know, and, and Brown and um, Tatum. And then, you know, Kemba's rounding back into form. So I, I think, you know, those are two in intriguing teams. And then, you know, the Pacers uh, – it's one of them things with any team, you don't you never know who's gonna show up game to game, but you know, they have a very intriguing collection of talent, man, with Sabonis, you know, um, Mr. Versatility, you know, you got Levert, the most underrated player in the league, in my opinion, and Malcolm Brogdon, you know, right. and the the shot block, you know, wizard Miles Turner. So um 
you know, it's going to be interesting. And then I guess, you know, with the way the Hornets rally around LaMelo, man, you just, you just never know, man. You know, when you're in a situation where winning is the only thing that matters, you know, seeding don't matter at this point. Um, in the West, I, I think the Lakers are dangerous, but I'm going to actually go with, um, the Warriors, man. Um, just Steph, man, been unconscious, man. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, um, obviously the wins aren't there, but you could argue that he has, you know, better numbers than he did in his MVP season. You know, um, numbers aren't everything, but I think as a player that has been said that, you know, he'll go to get to the locker room and have time to check social media to see what's being said about him. You know, Steph, um, he hears all the whispers. He sees all the tweets. And like it was said, you said about LeBron, what greater um, addition to your legend, you know what I mean, than to take what was looked at as a throwaway year and turn it into something, you know, and he don't have Clay there, you know what I mean? They can't say he's hiding behind Clay. So, uh, you know, if the chef comes out, guns blazing, and, you know, takes them on a playoff run, that just adds to his legend. You know, um, Zach, Mr. Perspective, I know you got something for us, brother. Go ahead. I wanted to pick Charlotte, but I'm nervous about Gordon Haywood and the, and the injury because I think for them to do what they want to do because they have to win a couple games, I think they need Haywood. Uh, I think they got the pedigree with Terry Rozier, who's played well when he was on that Boston team and made it to Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, with Wayne with this one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go uh, – with the Wizards, man, uh, I, I like what, what Westbrook is doing. I'm not going to bet against him. I think probably the best team out of all of them, just keeping it honest, is Boston. But as far as the most dangerous, I definitely would say the Wizards. And I know everybody's going to pick the Lakers because of LeBron and AD. But for me, I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies. And not just to be different, man. I just really, that's a gritty team, man. Jai's not ducking no smoke. He said he's a top five point guard. I don't disagree with him on that. I mean, we can lay out the list because the way I view the position being played is not everybody's not a quote-unquote point guard. I think some people have just created their own lane, like a Steph Curry, for example. But that Memphis Grizzlies team, you got Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Uh, Dylan Brooks has played well. You, uh, I'm looking at they, their roster right now, man, like, Grayson Allen is giving them good minutes. They're ninth in defensive rating, believe it or not. So you, you're going to have to work for your buckets. You're going to have to work for your points. Um, Xavier Tillman, this, I mean, one of the steals of the second round, they signed him to the, the biggest guaranteed contract in NBA history for a second round pick. So I, I wouldn't want to see that, that Memphis Grizzlies team led by, by Ja Morant, man. I, I just wouldn't want to see them. Um, and I think, again, the Lakers are playing with fire. I think some people were floating out there. Should LeBron just sit out the rest of the games? Now that you know you're in the play-in. It's something about chemistry and continuity that you need, man, in sports. I wouldn't just overlook that when you're now talking about a win-or-go-home situation. It's not a series where he can probably go out there and lose that first game. All right, I know what I need to do. We, we sweep the rest of the series. Like, nah, bro, this is one and done. And in this style of tournament, confidence, these are still human beings matters, man. So I'm going to go with, with Memphis in the West, and I'm, I'm going to go with Washington in the East. I like uh, the perspective you brought surrounding the Grizzlies. Um, 
And you're right, man. That grittiness that that team has, and they've got a, a situation where everybody's contributing. And I want to speak um, to one guy in particular. You know, we all got pride, you know, where we from, man. You know, as a Jersey guy, I got to give some love to, to Kyle Anderson, you know, slow-mo. Yep. Um, you know, I feel like he's kind of been undervalued, you know, in the pros. Um, but a highly skilled guy, you know, he, he moves at his own pace. And, you know, that works to his benefit most of the time. And I think, um, you know, he's been a stabilizer for that team. And you made another great point. They have, they've gotten excellent value out of a second-round pick, which you don't see um, too often. You know, and Xavier Tillman, man, he's uh, shown that he's been worth um, every penny of, you know, the contract that they've given him. Yeah, I mean, even someone like Desmond Bain, I'm looking at it. They have one, two, three, four, five six guys in double figures with the Kyle Anderson's at 12. Jaron Jackson's getting you 14 since he's been back. But you look at Desmond Bain, he's shooting a three well, 44% from the three as a rookie. He's averaging nine. And then you got DeAnthony Melton, who's that switchable defender that gives him that kind of that, what, that term, that three and D guy, that wing guy. You know, so you got to like what Memphis is doing. They're not a, a sexy destination as far as signing free agents. So they got to do it through the draft and through player development. And then you get a couple fringe uh, signings like a Tyus Jones to back up Morant. Dylan Brooks, like I said, has been great. Uh, and then let's not forget Jonas Valanciunas, giving them great minutes at the center position, man. So this is this is one of those teams that we're going to see who were the casuals and who was really watching some of these games, man. Because, again, a one-game playoff, I wouldn't want to face Memphis, who almost won, remember, last year, I think, they beat. They lost to Portland, right? Wasn't it Portland? Yeah, it yeah was and Portland. that was a a couple possessions game. Did it go to overtime? I can't remember. I feel like it did. But yeah, I, I feel like it went to overtime. But my point being, it was a what a well played game from your rookie mm -hmm. point guard, your second year running mate and Jaron Jackson Jr. Man, so I wouldn't want to bet against against Memphis. I really wouldn't. Exactly. It's like that old school Zebo Gasol, Tony Allen team. Yeah, exactly. Like the, yep. the new school version of that. Grit and grind. It's just something that water down there. With a little bit more athleticism. Yeah, there you more, go. A yeah. little, little more, uh -huh. I ain't gonna say athletic. Well, yeah, athleticism and that dynamic, what that <laughs> pop, that 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 it factor. It's with, the culture though, right? With John Morant. Yeah, it's the culture. It's the city. Oh. Every, yeah, all that. All that matters. So for me, if we're gonna, the easy pick is the Lakers. But if we want to say a true definition of a, of a sleeper, is Memphis. I, I think it's Memphis, in my opinion. Agree 100%. So we're going to move on to the next topic, all NBA teams. We're not going to lay out the teams because we could be here all day because this is a tough one, man. But I, I got a few uh, particular, you know, questions. Um, the first one, you know, in this particular season, you know, how heavy of an impact um this time miss going to affect some of these guys, you know, spots on a, um, on a all NBA team, for example, like a LeBron or a James Harden. Go ahead, Zach. You know what? It didn't even dawn on me because I'm so busy just thinking of content around the actual game and just being creative. I didn't even, I haven't even thought about all NBA. Then I saw somebody tweet it out. Well, you know that AD and LeBron KD uh James Hart like all the usual suspects missed time like significant time this year so again I, I'm about consistency and with certain things fairness we're not going to start 
changing rules to ac accumulate other guys. Hey, if they got hurt and they weren't available, that's just the way it is. So I think this year, to see those guys any higher than the third, third team, I think would be a slap in the face of the guys that were there the whole time and really put up some really good numbers. That's just my opinion, personally. I don't think they should be no higher. And I think that's pushing it for some of them third team. When you start looking at the amount of games they miss, even somebody like an Embiid is kind of right on that, that border, but I think he, he's going to be okay. But every, the, the rest of the guys, yeah, I agree. They missed way too many games, way too many games. I agree. Um, I think it's going to be some tough decisions that had to be made, man. You know, um, certain guys like a Julius Randle, you know, Zion even. Um, he, Trey Young, you know, even though it seems like nope. the media narrative around him shifted a lot from last season to this season. Um, you know, we saw him left out of the All-Star game, but, you know, that he's averaging 25, just under 10 assists, and now the Hawks are winning in the, the fifth seed. Um, you know, do the Jazz get some love, you know, go bear like we talked about, Donovan Mitchell. Um, and here's one, Wayne, this is Taylor made for you, brother. Do Westbrook or Bill deserve an all-NBA spot? I want to hear it from the wizard man himself. <laughs> Man, you know what? To score in this league, to score two points in the NBA is hard. And for Bill to have a 30-point average, uh, I think Curry is leading us right now, but Bill may be number two. That's yeah, hard. Yeah. Um, Bill has been consistent all year round. Like I said, the team was decimated with injuries, but he's shown up. So I hope he makes all-NBA team. Uh, Russell making a, a historic, Triple-double average again. Sometimes greatness can be a curse because the goalposts move. Mm -hmm. but, uh, hear Oscar Robinson give him his flowers and say what he's doing is incredible. Hope he gets some consideration of flowers because that's hard to pull down what he's doing. Um, but to, to Zach's point, I hope we reward the guys, uh, uh, Randall, Jokic. I know our legends, a la LeBron shit, you know, it, look, it looks weird if he's not mentioned. But we got to make sure we give some consideration and and uh, spotlight to the guys that, for the casual fan, may not have you know, have on their radar. Like, no, some of these guys have been balling, and throughout the course of the injuries and the COVID, have been, you know, consistent. If they deserve a, a, a first a first team nod, got to give it to them. I know names draw attention, and you know names hold weight, but play on the court does too. But at the end of the day. What are you doing? How are you showing up? Consistency matters. So um, that's what that's again. That's what I like. What we do, you know, is may go against the, may go against the green, but it's it's real basketball talk. You know, so I mean, even Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I just looked it up. I mean, fifty-one games for Paul George, forty-nine for Kawhi. Like that's yeah. and they played well when out there, like MVP type level. You know, that's why for me, I I like the Clippers to come out the West this year. You know, but that's another discussion. But to your point, Westbrook has to be on there. Bill, man, they, they, it's tricky with this award because how can you reward two guys when your record's that bad? Even though the COVID protocol was real, like the Wizards were one of the teams that would hit the hardest. Um, the injuries, you know, it was it was tough. Like it was in the end of the season with really no practice until recent. Other thing, you know, so it's a lot of moving parts. I just hope we. The, the, those who vote, let's not be lazy with it. 
Uh, Tatum is going to probably be there. Donovan Mitchell should make his first team. Definitely. Uh, somebody from Phoenix has to be there uh, with what they're doing. I'm going to say Devin Booker. Uh, as crazy as that may sound, I think Chris Paul's played well, but one of them have to be there. Jalen Brown has to get some consideration. He's played well for, for Boston. So let's let's not be lazy with this. I think let's reward some guys that, you know, you got to be lucky. You got to stay healthy. And they did. And they delivered and performed. You know, let's not be lazy with the voting and just penciling the same guys. As much as he's been criticized, he's been there probably the most out of all of them. If you want to say anybody from that Brooklyn team is Kyrie, you know, as being there. So let's not be lazy with the voting. You know, let's look at this really and see how many games that people actually show up and play regardless of what the issue was versus those who did and put up the same type of stats. Zach, that perspective is incredibly important. And outside of just, you know, delivering, you know, real basketball talk, you know, this is something that affects some of these guys' money as well, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, yes. Zach, I know you know, um, and you could probably speak to it in greater detail, but I saw something today. You brought up Tatum. If he makes all NBA, he qualifies for the Derrick Rose rule. And yep. now you know, is eligible for a larger extension, you know. Um, you know, and Wayne, you made a good point, man. You know, we respect the legends, but also, man, this is how you create new ones. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, these guys are playing well enough to be in the conversation and mention with these other guys, you know, allow them to start building their resumes and their, you know, their legacies. Um, you know, when you're talking about a Tatum. Um, who has uh, and, and Brown, you know, and some of those other younger guys that have really been, you know, carrying and playing some phenomenal ball, man. Um, I think he, Tatum is a lock, not to cut you off, Will. I think Tatum's a lock. He's at 26, and I just looked it up. Jalen's at 24, you know, so it, it, it's, it's something to think about. I think Tatum is going to be fine, though. I'll be surprised if he doesn't make one of the three teams. And even yep. somebody, I got to look at his games. Jimmy Butler has been right there again doing Jimmy Butler type things and that's not getting talked about at the same level as it has in the past so yeah it's gonna be interesting I agree and right before we move on Wayne I was thinking about what you and Zach were saying about the Wizards um I feel like you're right that record you can only reward one guy and just from watching the games I think you have to reward Westbrook numbers aside you know him getting healthy is when things started to take a turn, you know, for the better. Bill um, was putting up crazy scoring numbers the entire time, you know, um, and I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but, you know, Westbrook in the varied ways he affects the game, I feel like is what's energized the guys. And, um, you know, this guy's not going to get any awards or anything, but the acquisition of Daniel Gafford, um, I believe, along with Russ getting healthy as well, really turn that season around for Washington. No, you're 100% right, Will. And I think, again, if we want to progress this conversation with basketball, we got to stop looking at scoring as the end-all, be-all for offense, right? Because we've seen guys put up numbers. And that's not saying they're not good players. It's just that that's all they do. And I thought this was even glaring recently in that Dallas-Brooklyn game. If we look at the fourth quarter, Kyrie put up all those numbers, and I was talking to one of my guys. He had like 15 in the fourth, but I think the rest of the, the unit went like a combined three for 15 or something. But then when you look on the other side of the board, 
Luca only had like eight, I think. But then Dorian Finney-Smith had 10. Tim Hardaway Jr. had points. Jalen Brunson had points. Dwight Powell had points. So it's something to be said to those guys like a Westbrook, a Donchins, a LeBron, a Trey Young, who drive the engines of these teams as far as not only scoring the ball, but their playmaking and their motor and the different decisions that they make. Like that stuff to me has way more value, I would argue, than just being able to score the ball. If you're somebody that's going to score the ball, you better be doing it at such an elite level as as getting you consistent Ws. And throughout the, the, the history of the game, there's a short list of guys whose scoring was that elite that was able to get Ws. Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, uh, Steph. You know, even KD to a certain degree, he doesn't really meet that same level as far as getting others involved in playmaking. It is what it is. So, again... I have to say, if we was to pick a team, a guy off that Wizards team, it has to be Westbrook because of everything else he's bringing to the table. Definitely agree. Um, the next topic, um, and this will probably be relatively quick, but I just want to um, talk about the Indiana Pacers really quick. <laughs> their coaching situation. Um, you know, we've seen that their current coach is on the hot seat now. I mean, he hasn't even been, you know, the head coach the whole season. Um, and I just feel like it's a very ironic situation after seeing, you know, how they got they were quick to get rid of Nate McMillan. And now he, you know, has turned around the Atlanta Hawks and has them, you know, um, as a fifth seed in, in the Eastern Conference. So, um, Zach, if you want and you and Wayne want to speak to that real quick. No, I again, the grass isn't always greener. I think Nate, wherever he goes, he does a solid job. I think he's just a really good NBA coach. I don't know if he's a championship level coach, to be honest with you, because he just doesn't get those opportunities. But he's just a really good coach. He's a great communicator. While everybody was worried about chucking threes and pacing space and analytics, Indiana was what? Living in the mid-range with Oladipo and Sabonis and just taking the best available shot. And it was causing out, carving out W's, the emergence of TJ Warren, why he was there, Jeremy Lamb before the knee injury. I mean, so much can be accredited to Nate McMillan. And I'm not going too deep into the situation because I don't know the, the backstory, but it was rumors that I've seen of them wanting more of an analytical, analytical type coach. That's why they made the switch and brought this guy in. And, you know, we got to be careful with this, this analytics piece. Uh, I humbly believe that it's creating job opportunities for people who wouldn't be in basketball, mainly people of non-color backgrounds, just keeping it 100 with you, mainly black um, black people that are getting these, non-blacks that are getting these these opportunities. And we kind of see uh, the Tyron Lues kind of not taken seriously, even uh, the Earl Watsons not being taken seriously. I didn't really understand what really went on in Phoenix until he went on Gilbert Arena's podcast. That was one of my favorite episodes like just him painting a picture like this new thinking with this basketball and it all has a place analytics is dope like we need stats we need information but if you got a guy there that just knows how to relate to the players he's getting it done his x's and o's is solid you're a mid-market team like let's be honest like it's indiana you're not going to attract guys so culture and how you treat players and coaches matters for free agents and people that want to come there so Shout out to Nate McMillan. Uh, I thought Lloyd Pierce did a solid job with Atlanta. I watched a lot of Atlanta games. 
just for whatever reason, he could just not get the, the click to close out those games. They would be in a lot of games under Lloyd Pierce and just couldn't couldn't get it to close. So again, hopefully he gets another shot at the, you know, crack at, at another job and he learns from this. But shout out to Nate McMillan. Everywhere he goes, he just does a really solid job and all they do is really win. I agree 100%, Zach. Um, the ultimate professional, I haven't really heard any negative about him and, and the record speaks for itself. Wayne, did you have anything? No, Zach said it well. You know, wherever Nate goes, he wins. Don't really know that that positioning uh, in the organization, but injuries and this year, I, I would have loved to let everybody just play the season through. But as you see, a uh, blessing in disguise for Atlanta. Uh, Indiana's fumble is, you know, helping out the Atlanta Hawks. So that's what I got to say on that one. But, you know, great analysis by Zach, man. Uh, I, again, I'm an old school guy. A dunk and layup are worth two points. A bank shot, <laughs> yep. the mid-range, I love it. And I kind of have a a way about myself where the best shot sometimes is better. I know the three ball is, you know, accelerating our game, but we got to get back to that grassroots of a bucket is a bucket. So if that's a, a 10-foot bank shot, let's get it. You know, a 40-foot three-pointer, a lot of these young guys are playing. It's like, don't forget about the basics. They say, keep it simple, stupid. Like, don't be flashy if that's not your game, you know. Indiana is one of those, again, Memphis-type teams are grinded out. Um, I just love the the way that, you know, McMillan plays it is the best shot. It won't be the most sexiest, I like Tim Duncan, but if it gets the job done, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So just, just credit to McMillan for, again, everywhere he goes, he wins. And and guys love him. He He's played in this league, so he knows what he's talking about. So, again, man, just credit to to Nate um, turning a negative into a positive. And I don't mind shouting out other podcasts when the, you know, the quality is up to, up to par to the listeners. Go, go listen to Earl Watson. Like that was fascinating to hear the stuff that Phoenix wanted him to do because this is what the analytics was saying. He like, I don't even have this type of roster. Like, what are y'all talking about right now? And how he wanted Devin Booker to kind of go. And they was even kind of hesitant. It was a real fascinating conversation. And it just shows how he was a better coach than I think people realize. And it just shows how him and Nate were kind of similar. Nate was just able to, the, the organization for the most part, allowed him to play to the strengths of his team. That's what we're ultimately saying. And that's what Nate has always done. And voila, you have success. So as they always say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And Atlanta is reaping the benefits and they're about to make the playoffs again and really have a shot to really, I believe, surprise some people. They really do. I agree, Zach, and you're right about it, man. Um, I, I feel like I saw a lot of people's opinions of Earl Watson turn around once that uh, podcast episode was released. Yeah, it was, I don't know, but I like stuff like that. Like, I don't like all the gossip. Like, let's talk hoops and then talk about it from a perspective that we as the fans or the media don't get to see like I, I love the way he was breaking that down man because i'll be trying to tell people everything ain't always what you think it is we not at practice we're not behind those doors we're not in those meetings we're not on the bus we're not on the plane and a lot of times that's when the decisions and stuff is being made to produce the final product that we're watching and you're criticizing them like you know let's be careful with that sometimes you know we could be critical of the coaching sometimes the critique of the calls and different things 
But don't act like these guys don't necessarily and and women who are assistants don't don't know the game. Let's let's we got We got to stop doing that. And I'm glad Earl was able, as they like to say, put some respect, you know, behind his name on that, man, because that was that was that was huge. That was uh, that was dope. That was one of the best podcasts I've heard this year. Just being, be, you know, in a while, just being honest with you. I agree. And the last thing I'll say about Coach McMillan um, and not just him, a lot of, uh, you know, black coaches, I feel like, you know, they get a certain type of label as developmental coaches, you know, and they don't necessarily get a fair shape mm-hmm. you know, yep. rock that can really make some noise. Like, for example, Steve Nash got handed the Phoenix, I mean, the uh, Brooklyn Nets, you know, due yeah. to his relationships with KD and Kyrie, you know, and I'm not knocking mm-hmm. that, but um we always see, you know, the black coach get the team that, mm-hmm. you know, has to be pretty much coached up from the ground, um, you know. So just want to highlight that, you know, you can't expect guys to win um, with players that are, you know, barely hanging in the league. Because um, we would never know some of these guys ceiling with coaching. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, how can we definitively say whether Mark Jackson is a good coach or not? He didn't get a chance to really get in that situation. Mm-hmm. Now we forget because of the legacy now, but Popovich struggled early. So what if they would have moved on from him in San Antonio? So it's you know I, I just think again the honest conversations, the elephant in the room, are the 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 white coaches get the benefit of the doubt a lot more than the black coaches, and they get certain opportunities that black coaches don't get. How Steve Nash more qualified than Tyron Lue? Well, Sam, go and listen to the. Or Sam Cassell, but I'm gonna say Tyron Luke, Tyron Luke, because he won a championship as a head coach, right. and not because he just had LeBron. But no, if you remember the stories, he was telling LeBron like, "No, I'm talking. You shut up. I'm talking. We're gonna do it this way." He came in with a certain knowledge and authority, and kind of was able to corral the egos. The same thing we give Phil Jackson credit for, right? So. Again, I just think some of these guys, we would never know. Hopefully, as we move forward, people get more opportunity. But in fairness, we would never know the ceiling of some of these black coaches because they never get the opportunity to grow and learn before they get kicked out versus their white counterparts. And that's that's just being real, just keeping it 100. Absolutely. And this last topic, man, you know, I'm going to just uh, run this one real quick, man, before we get up out of here. I, I feel like we will be remiss, and we did talk about it somewhat, but um, got to talk Westbrook real quick, man. Um, sitting at 180 triple doubles, you know, and tonight he has the opportunity to tie the big O with the most in NBA history at 181. And they're playing the Pacers. Um, in his career, he's got nine against the Pacers. I think the last time he played the Pacers this season, um, he had like 24 assists. Um, you know, it's a pretty good chance that, you know, he ties that record tonight. And then um, we could potentially see him uh, break the record with 182 triple doubles um, either on Monday or on Wednesday playing the Hawks. Um, And, you know, outside of the fact that, you know, we're about to see a record that a lot of people felt was unbreakable, be shattered. um, I feel like it's important to, you know, give us some context. I mean, Russ, He's just he's just a different guy, man. He's a machine, you know, uh, four years out of the last five averaging a triple double. Um, We could say easily if he wasn't, you know, between injury 
and fit on the roster playing alongside another ball dominant player in Harden. He would have averaged it five years in a row. Um, but, um, you know, this guy, he's just a different breed. You know, he never takes his foot off the pedal, um, you know, and even just the impact he brought to the Wizards franchise. You know, he has guys, you know, playing with an intensity and a care that we haven't seen with that franchise before. Um, and talking numbers, you know, if Westbrook for the rest of the season, if he got on the court and didn't score a point, didn't get another rebound or assist, he still would average a triple double because of the statistical dominance, you know, um, that he's put on this season. And um, Zach Wayne, you know, I'm going to get you guys comments on it, but um, you know, I definitely just wanted to speak to that, you know, as we are approaching history. No, that's, that's a good, and I don't want to, I'm not going to give away too much of my podcast. That's going to be dropping Monday when I record it, but I'm going to spend a nice little segment kind of just breaking it down. And one thing to sum up Westbrook, what I tweeted out a few days back, I said, when you combine great talent with the perfect era to match that talent, you get a Russell Westbrook with high usage rates, pick and roll, pace and space offense. It was tailor made for Russ's skill set. I mean, it's just that simple. And I always try to tell people besides the three point line, and I know that's an obvious thing, this, this era mimics, mimics the era of the guy he's chasing in Oscar Robinson. A lot of possessions, high usage rate, a lot of stats to be had. The problem that people don't understand, you still have to go get those numbers. And the greats are the ones that do it. If it was easy, everybody would be averaging a triple-double or at least more guys, right, if it was really that simple. So, no, that speaks to his skill set and his greatness. Sure, the era fits his style, and I'm going to break it down and show when it started changing on, on my pod. But, again, he still has to have the ability to go out and do it. And with his motor, it's unquestioned, unparalleled, to go out and play hard, I'm jealous. I came close so many times in my playing career. Just never can get a triple-double. I had like nine rebounds before, but had the assist. I had the assist before, but didn't have the rebounds. You know, so it's an incredible feat. It's a great feat. It's nothing to take lightly. And uh, shouts out to Westbrook, man. And let's just, and I always say, just, just enjoy his greatness. Because this is greatness right here that we're witnessing. Let's enjoy it. Mr. Cole, what you got for us? Yeah, first, I just want to thank Russell for bringing uh, identity and dog to the team because we were always looked at as, you know, dog and as he had like little puppies, but he's brought that, that wolf, that dog, that, you know, that, that heart out in us, um, challenging players. And you can just see that one person can elevate a team. Mm-hmm. At the exact point, if you ever played pickup ball, it might yeah. be hard to get five rebounds. You can get 10 points. But you gotta when you hope when you pass that ball that your teammate scores. So the fact that night in and night out, um, again I, I call it that that Westbrook LeBron curse. When you do great things, some people can it kind of gets overlooked. Like oh he's gonna, gonna do that. No, we gotta stop and appreciate greatness. You know we're 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 alive for a time to see something that you no know, records are meant to be broken, but this type of record uh, is up there with that one hundred point milestone. I'm like we'll never see nobody. Even as a young cat, I was like, we'll never see nobody touch that record. And to see this on my team, is it makes it doubly special. I watch him night in, night out. The tenacity, the heart. He's playing with a torn quad. I mean, some, <laughs> some things just like, you know, he wants it. Right. Uh, yep. Plays the game the right way. Again, his passion is mistaken for, I don't know, 
other players, when they are passionate, they don't get, you know, drilled as much as a Westbrook. So knowing his story, I kind of appreciate him even more because he's on my team. Mm-hmm. I understand that fire. I understand that, that, that go-getter mentality. So he's elevated us. I'm grateful to witness um, greatness and I appreciate greatness. You know, some people, they, they knock him. I'm like, this guy's a professional athlete. I think that's why I want to bring it back to that media aspect of, you know, give him his due diligence, give him his praise, um, recognize it, you know, embrace it, give him his flowers while he's here. And I'm, I've been humbly honored to see that on a night and night basis, not just because he's a wizard, but because he's a ball player, he's an athlete, he's somebody's son, he's somebody's father. And uh, just want to give this guy as much praise as I can. And, you know, keep doing it, Westbrook. Keep doing it, man. Well said, Wayne. And one thing I did forget, we about to, uh, at the close of this season, it'll be Westbrook's third time leading the league in assists as well, which I think is uh, really, really interesting for somebody that was kind of, you know, looked at as a ball hog and even as, as a low IQ player by, uh, you know, when we talk media narratives. Um, but Zach, Wayne, I appreciate you, you fellas. You know, it's, yes, it's all a pleasure when we get to do this, man. You know, creating Always, this. Dope man. Appreciate you. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and close it out. Thank you for tuning in to the NBA show by 265 Media. I do want to give a quick shout out to our other brethren, Daniel, K Dot, JC, Mills, Lawrence, and Dylan. Um, shout out to y'all, um, handling your business, and I can't wait, you know, till we do the next one. Check us out wherever you consume your podcast and uh, we'll be back soon with more of that fire that you look for as we continue to get closer to the NBA playoffs. Peace and love, everybody. Thanks for listening to the NBA show brought to you by the 265 Media Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and leave a review. This podcast is wherever you consume your podcast content, whether that's Apple, Spotify or Google. To catch all the latest podcasts from us here at 265 Media, you can follow us on Instagram at 265media underscore LLC and on Twitter at 265media LLC. And don't forget to follow the NBA show on Instagram and Twitter at the NBA show pod.